at the uh, word in Ephesians. Slowly, verse by verse, we go through. And in prayer meeting time, we don't spend a whole lot of time in the study, so we don't go too far. Um, <clears throat> the Christian and his behaviour in chapter 4 to chapter 6, verse 9, that we're looking at, in his uh, relationship with the Lord, the mystical relationship, in his moral relationships, and then in his marital relationships, and we've seen all those, and now in his material relationships, we're looking at that in chapter 6, verses 5 through to 9. The Christian and his material relationships. As, um, the first one is, children, obey your parents. <laughs> uh, honor your father and mother, that it might be well with you. The next relationship, there's father, uh, children and parents, and there's fathers and children. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then we get to the third material relationship, and that's for the one with servants and masters. That's what we started two weeks ago, and Bernie did the study whilst I was away last week. And so we're looking at the men and their masters. You see, we don't think that way today, do we? Because we don't have slaves. But in Paul's day, it was wholly different. <laughs> there were more slaves than there were free men when the gospel was written, when the New Testament was written. You know, the Romans ruled. And they believed in servants. And they had a lot of servants. Everyone they captured <laughs> in nations, most of them became servants to their masters, the Romans. And so Paul is addressing. Remember what Paul said when he was beaten by the Romans? On one occasion when they took him and rescued him from the mob, he said, I was born a free man. In other words, I have Roman citizenship. I'm not a servant. And they were all scared then because they'd beaten him. <laughs> and, and you don't do that to a fellow Roman. Uh, if it was a slave, that's fine. <laughs> that's the way it was. So Paul and his instruction here is very pertinent in in this relation in expounding this relationship, how it should be, what it should be like. And uh, today it's probably not as uh, pointed, but it still can help us with principles to be guided by the, the boss. <laughs> Employer, employee, that's what we could put in, these, in this portion here. Well, to our human masters and their claim, we are to be obedient in verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. Um, an employee to employer, be subservient in verse 5. Again, we've noticed that. And be diligent in verse 6, not with eye service as men please. It's not just to please them as they look at you when you're working, but working just as hard when they're not looking at you. That's the way to behave as a Christian. So it touches every aspect of life, doesn't it? The Christian, Christian's life. It changes the way we behave at home, in front of our children, and at work. That's these portions in this chapter 6. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word, and minister it to our hearts tonight. And may we be thankful that you've laid down these things for us, that we might be uh, without rebuke in the midst of a, 
wicked and a crook, crooked and perverse um, generation that we may live in, that we might set an example of Christ's likeness, who, whose we are. Bless us now as we look in these, at these thoughts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> um, so, be diligent. But then we have from the human master's claim to the heavenly master's claim. We come to that in verse 6, the second part of verse 6. Not with eye service as men pleases, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. And so this is the heavenly master's claim. We are always under his watchful eye. Whatever we do, whatever we think, God knows. Um, in all the work we do, who are we serving, really? We're serving God. What does it say? Whether ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10.31. And so it is when we've got a job. We do it to the glory of God. Like... Last week I was working all week digging a dam <laughs> and <clears throat> you don't know when the boss, the owner, is coming. He, he, he was coming up from behind, not the front. So he could be sitting there. Sometimes he parked his four-wheel motorbike right behind me and I don't do that because last time I went over that bit of dirt, you weren't there. Crunch, crunch, if I go backwards. <laughs> but anyway, he, he come in from behind and you didn't know he was there watching. And so you were working just as good as fast then as he was <laughs> all times like last last week I had to work in first gear because my back was out and it was to me it was going a bit slow usually I work it in second gear and you have to be more alert and you're bouncing around a lot more but I worked in first gear whether he was looking or whether he wasn't and uh, he didn't complain the job got done <laughs> um, <clears throat> so it's to the glory of God we do it not when they're looking as uh, men pleasers or I service, as it's given in another verse there. We live on a higher plane. We serve a different master. Although we have an earthly master, we may have an earthly master if we're not self-employed. We also have a heavenly master, and that makes the difference. When, <clears throat> when you consider a balance of scriptures... Is there really a division between secular and sacred anyway? Is there, a, is there a division between secular work and sacred work? Or should there be? No, there shouldn't be. You see, the pastor's job, your job, wherever you are, is just as important as the pastor's job. And sometimes, oh, well, you know, that's important. Now, it is in that it relates to eternal things and where you spend eternity... But as far as our work down here, we're taught to do it all to the glory of God. It's whether one or the other service. So it looks a different perspective on things. We should abolish the distinction between secular employment and full-time Christian service, or the secular and sacred. Um, but in Israel, for instance, you talk about secular Jews and you talk about religious Jews. But really, if they were serving God, they'd all be the same as Christians in the secular or the sacred. All of us are in the ministry. And that puts a different light on it, doesn't it? All of us 
are in full-time Christian service because whatever we do, we do all to the glory of God. That should put a new spin on our work (laughs) and and a new way we look at our work. The plumber, as much as the preacher. The economist, as much as the evangelist. The policeman, as much as the pastor. Or the miner, as the missionary or minister. They all are as important as each other. And isn't that a good way to reach the world? Live the Christian life before them and they see, wow, you know, these people behave like Christians and un Non-believing people know when a person's living like a Christian should. And they know when they're not living like a Christian should. So all these vocations are in God's will. And God's will must be done from the heart. We can serve God out of a sense of discipline. Discipline says, I have to do it. I have to do it. It is a motivation from a will that has been compelled to do it. And a servant could look at his work like that. I've got to do it or or else (laughs) crack the whip, literally. We can serve God out of of a sense of duty. Duty says, I ought to. And see, discipline says I have to. Duty says I ought to. It is motivation from a mind that has been convinced. The first one, a will that's been compelled. The second one here, but from a mind that's been convinced, I ought to. That's duty. Or we can serve God and in our work out of a sense of devotion. And devotion says, I want to. Not I have to, not I ought to, but I want to do this. And if I want to do it, I'll do it to the best of my ability and as quick and as good as I can. I pray that you do that before the unsaved world. And this is from a heart that has been captured. Not compelled, not convinced, but captured. And I think Mary exemplified that when she worshipped the Lord. I want to. And I want to break the spinnaked ointment and pour it over his head I want to and I think she understood a lot more than the disciples in that she wanted to and uh, uh, anointed him for his burial she understood what was happening she'd been listening with a heart and a head and a heart so God's will for every employee is that he serve his human master with all his heart with wholehearted commitment to his employer's gain and advantage you can if you're employing somebody you notice those people that are trying to perform in your round and do it to please you you notice those that just do it all the time right whether you're there or not and if you're employing someone and you're, you're fair in your estimation of things which would you promote in their work or in their in the business you have the one that does it whether you're there or not. The one that does it from their heart. The one that does it because says, I want to. They're being captured and I want to. And <clears throat> we could look at that. We looked already last time at Joseph. Next week we'll look at Philemon because they were both slaves. Um, Joseph, wherever he went, 
It was like cream on the cream on the milk. When you after you milk the cow, put it there overnight. What happens? Cream rises to the top, and that was Joseph. He rose to the top everywhere he went, whether it be in jail, whether it be in Potiphar's house, and and in second in charge in Egypt. He he still did the right thing, even though he had power to hurt and harm people. He could have really come down on his brothers when they turned up. But his heart was moved with compassion and he was weeping over them. He had to find a place to weep and um, when he made himself known to his... And what a servant's heart. That's where God wants to get us to work in our whole life, whether it be Christian work or, or secular work. <laughs> you know, I don't like saying that. Now, secular sacred work. He wants to get us to serve from the heart. <clears throat> that we might set an example. Mark 10.45 reads, The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. That's the Lord Jesus himself. Hey, won't it be wonderful when we get to heaven to have everybody wanting to serve? Wholehearted, full-hearted, without distraction. Wouldn't it, let's, wouldn't it be wonderful to see that in a local church? <laughs> that, that's, that would make so much difference in our want to do it and uh, not have to be asked to do it or not have to be thanked for, thanked for doing it our thanks comes from God for doing what we do for him this kind of service took Jesus all the way to Calvary didn't it he's willing to hang on the Calvary's cross be crucified for our sins as a servant for us uh, <clears throat> We ought to serve as though everything that we do was our business. So next time you feel like complaining and grumbling about the boss, think of it this way. If I owned this business, what would I want me to do? <laughs> if I was driving Ross's truck, Mac or Western Star. <laughs> no. I, what, how would you want me to drive it? Well, I know because I watched him drive it a few times. It was at Mount Beauty once. We loaded a heap of trusses on and there was going down in. There was a big puddle there. And I, I was saying in my head, gun it, Ross, gun it. <laughs> Get through that puddle. And he didn't. And he got bogged. <laughs> but we had a couple of full drives that pulled him out. But... See, he wouldn't have liked me gunning it if I was in there to get through that puddle. Maybe that's why I drive bulldozers, not trucks. <laughs> you see, do all to the glory of God and do it as though it were yours and you owned it. How would you like it if you treated, someone treated your machinery like you wouldn't want them to? Well, there's a higher plane on which we operate as Christians as a heavenly plane. Verse 8, we go <coughs> with goodwill doing service. That's what we've just been talking about. Verse 7, to the Lord and not to men. We're doing it for the Lord. And then at the heavenly plane, knowing that what, whatever good thing any man doeth, the same shall be he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond, servant, or free, and not a servant, a Roman governing, lording it over so <clears throat> this is the heavenly plane when is the Lord's pay day 
When is the Lord's payday? Okay, the Beamer Sea. And um, I, saw, I mentioned that documentary I saw on, on Corinth, Corinth, old Corinth over there in, in Greece and now, and, and the fellow was going around. Oh, here's a Beamer seat, he said. Ah, oh, is that what a Beamer seat? And here's another Beamer. Then he, he, he called it different places Beamer seats where they receive a reward for the service they rendered at that time. And this is what Paul was talking about here. <clears throat> The beam of seat, the judgment, and it's mentioned in Corinthians and Romans, that judgment seat of Christ. So it's the reward from the Lord is not at the end of the week, it's not at the end of the month, it's not at the end of the year. The reward for the Christian servant doing the will from the heart is that when we step out into eternity and then the, the judgment that comes at the Lord's appointed time for all Christians. That's when the judgment will happen. Let's turn to Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. I know I've mentioned it before. But like what Peter said, the end of his life, he knows his time's up. He's going to be martyred. And uh, he wanted to keep them in remembrance. And the word is used, I think, three times in four verses here, verses 12 to 15. Verse 11, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you. Oh, go back to verse 10. Verse 10, chapter 1 of Second Peter. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, and they're all the things of the verses prior, do these things, live a Christian life, a godly life. If you do them, um, <clears throat> you shall never fall. For so... And entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. This is when we get to heaven. This is the abundant entrance. What, what does that pit bring up a picture in your mind like? An abundant entrance as opposed to a non-abundant entrance. It would be like what? Rolling out the carpet. red carpet. <laughs> that... For the, here comes the faithful, godly Christian. That's it saying. It says that. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly if you do these things. Do you want an abundant entrance? Or do you want to sneak in the back door? <laughs> no one's going to be sneaking in the back door when we get to heaven. It will be an entrance. It will be announced. Your name will be given, all of us, individually, and then... The works for the Lord, done from the motivation of the heart, will be spoken about and rewarded at the Bema seat of the judgment. <clears throat> you say, oh, I don't know if it's going to get that personal. Yep. <laughs> it won't be Lavington Baptist Church. It'll be individuals <laughs> in all the churches that have been Christians and gone to heaven that will be judged, remembered at that time. <clears throat> so... We may never, down here, receive recognition, reward, promotion, or praise. But we will, up there, with an abundant entrance, particularly if we've been faithful and doing things, all things, to the glory of God. The Lord said, I go and prepare a place for you. And as I say often, what building materials are you giving him to build the place? 
Um, there's the mention of gold, silver, precious stone in 1 Corinthians. There is the reference in Matthew 25. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And is it just crowns? Well, there's five crowns mentioned in Scripture that are rewarded for those that um, live on a heavenly plane down here and use their body to spend and be spent for others. But there's also the mention in Scripture of rewards for leadership in eternity. In that millennial kingdom, we may rule over cities, countries, provinces, continents, work sites, economies, mines. Who knows what's going to be there? <laughs> that the Lord. <laughs> There'll be all these different things. There won't need to be hospitals. So if you're working in a hospital, you have to might change your occupation. There might be a few sick people, but not many. <laughs> because the sickness is gone, the curse is gone. If you're working in the police or the army... You'll have to find another job. <laughs> well, you'll be given another job. If you work uh, in security, don't worry about that. Them jobs are gone. Uh, what else jobs? There's so many things that will be different then. In that... Um, I don't know what sort of economy it will be. <laughs> it, it, maybe you can look to think that one through as you're reading the Bible. Something might pop up there about that wonderful time we enter out, go out into eternity. We are now in training for the task of, a, of greater honour in eternity. And those positions depend on how we handle the mundane details of life down here. It is required of stewards that a man be found, and that's generic, a man, woman, be found faithful. Now, yes, it does. I conclude with there. Now, when I say conclude, there are some references here. Try to get through them quickly. Matthew 19 and 27. Matthew 19, 27. I don't think there's any outline, did I? I didn't give it to Elise for this one. So we look at the heavenly, heavenly master's claim, <coughs> the higher plane to the heavenly plane. And in Matthew 19, 27... We read, Then Peter answered and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that ye who have followed me in the... Followed me. Full stop. It's not there, but that's where it should be as you read the rest of it. In the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye shall sit upon the twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. That's a position of leadership in that time. And if you've forsaken houses, lands and so forth, you receive a hundredfold and inherit everlasting life. Many that are first shall be last and last shall be first. In other words, why did they do what they did down here? <laughs> what motivation? Was it a motivation of love? A motivation of work because I want to? Chapter 25 of Matthew and verse 21 and 23. 25, 21 and 23. We get more pointed as we go. We read there. <clears throat> he said, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee, what? Ruler over 
many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And he said the same to the other chap that had two talents. Here's some work to do. This is a reward you get. More service. Faithful service down here. More service up there. And more position up there. This is what the scriptures say. Luke chapter 19 verse 17 and 19. Luke 19, 17. It reads there. And he said unto them, Well done, thou good servant. This is the one, is it, that had increased their pounds, multiplied their pounds. Because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou what? Authority over what? Ten cities. Who wants to be mayor of ten cities? Not right now. (laughs) But then it'll be different. I'm taking this literally, and I think it will be fulfilled just like that in the kingdom. Not about eternity, but in the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. It will will be so. Verse 19, he said unto them, Be thou also over five cities. Uh, Ten cities, five cities. How many do you want? I was talking to some people about the York Peninsula, the other side of Adelaide, and um, down there is a very conservative area. Just a, it seems to be that they're more English conservative type people down there, and um, <clears throat> the mayor is a Christian, and the one before him was, and he, he he was there for almost thirty years as mayor, and the one that's taken over, he happens to be a pastor as well as the mayor there, and they are conservative. <laughs> And uh, it's sort of a, a little taste of what it might be like. And people treat each other courteously. They behave themselves. And even if it's non-Christian like, you, you come to the grain delivery and all the trucks are lined up, and here's a truck right along with this B double thing. Jesus saves right along the side of it. <laughs> you say, well, you know, that doesn't happen in many places, but he, he's owning the Lord. <laughs> And other farmers do other things on their farm so people can see this is Christian down here. <laughs> Won't it be good to be in a place in a, in a millennium that's like that? All believing people to start with anyway. Um, there's other references like Revelation well, Revelation 2 and verse 26. Talking to one of the churches here. Revelation 2 and 26. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. That's leadership in time to come. And right at the back of Revelation chapter 20 and verses 4 and 6. It reads there in verse 4, I saw thrones and they that sat upon them. Judgment was given to them and I saw souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark in their foreheads. Or in their hands, and they lived and, what did they do? Reigned with Christ. All these verses, reigned, authority, in position, over cities. This is what is promised in verse 6 of the same, same chapter. We read there, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And there's a spiritual aspect to the ministry of some in eternity. They shall be priests of God and of Christ and reign with him a thousand years. So, and, and into eternity, of course. And 2 Timothy 2.12, 2 
also speaks of that. So there's that plane we should live on, the higher plane and the heavenly plane. And what you do with what you've got now will determine in, in, on into it, the first thousand years and into eternity where you're at there. So, hey, don't be short-sighted and just live for now. Live for eternity. Live with eternity's values and views and make, make a whole lot of difference to attitude as you serve and minister. Do it heartily as unto the Lord.